Hi, friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Having so much fun today, and I cannot wait till 8.15 to talk to my guest, the great Dr. Danny Bruckner, a pediatrician, the challenges of actually being a teenager and just taking care of kids in general. They can't tell you where it hurts like an adult can. You got to figure it out. It's hard. It's hard to be a pediatrician. And over time, you develop a sixth sense of, I know exactly what's the matter with that kid. He has an ear infection. She has an ear infection. They can tell these things. And I can't wait to hear about it from him. But it made me think all week about the challenges of those teenage years. And so in my life, which I love the world of art, the world of sports, and the world of surgery, where do we see the challenge of the teenager? Well, in February of 1964... The United States of America was blessed with the appearance of the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. Boy, did we need it. Because three months earlier, two, four months earlier, President Kennedy was assassinated. This country of ours was in a state of mourning. And it was so soothing to see joy on that black and white TV. This is what it sounded like. Ladies and gentlemen, what's For the first time, teenage girls, she was just 17, you know what I mean, had someone, Paul McCartney, looking right in the camera at them. That teenage girl in her living room, so excited because she heard all about the Beatles, actually thinks he's talking to her. This was a gift that Paul McCartney had. He figured it out. The new world of television, still black and white, no color TV. But whether you were Elvis Presley, Bobby Vinton, Dion, these guys did not figure it out like Paul McCartney. He was able to engage each and every one of those teenage girls to the point that they didn't just yell when the Beatles came on. They went turbocharged to a whole nother level of insanity. Listen to what it sounds like. You can hear the tonality of a scream change. Okay, they're showing up. Listen to them yell. And now... Oh, my God. They can't even explain it. And then when they're interviewed, why are you doing this? Why are you behaving this way? They don't know. Have you tried to sneak into the hotel? Yes. Yes, we were in the hotel. How far in did you get? 12th floor. Well, the Domenico was not like that. We came here, we came here at 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.30 to see them, and all they do is push your father and father away, and then they don't even let you see them. You've been here since 6? Yes. Have you ever been this crazy about any other entertainer? No. and that's what's so amazing. We don't know why we're like this. We don't know why we're like this. I'm about to tell you why they're like this. This is Phil from Wings of Pegasus. He's a musicologist telling you about that secret Paul McCartney figured out looking into the camera. 
And there are so many subtle details that the Beatles had to their live performances that sometimes flew under the radar. And one of those things I want to point out now is Paul with the way that he looks at the camera while they're performing. Because how many artists do you know, especially back in these days, if they're playing a gig, they're interacting with the audience, they don't know where the cameras are, or at least they're not focusing on them. Whereas Paul is making sure that he's not only entertaining the crowd that are there, but everybody that's watching at home gets that experience of being there and being involved and getting eye contact with Paul McCartney. And it is such an important part of the performance that you don't really think about when you're watching it. But if you've played and performed yourself and on TV, that is such a different thought process to not only think about your performance to the crowd, but where are the cameras? How can I connect with the people watching behind the screen? So that's the secret. There was also something else the Beatles did because they played so long together. They had chemistry, chemistry that allowed them to talk about their next song and engage the audience. Teenage girls lost their minds because of it. Something different about the mindset and certainly the physicality of your body that changes as you go from being 12 to 13 to 19 years old. It's a physical thing and a mental thing. And I'm going to learn all about it together with Danny Bruckner at 815. But what about in the world of sports? Every little boy wants to play in the Little League. Every little boy wishes they were in the Little League World Series. And every little boy's dream is to play Major League Baseball. But not that many make it happen. We're blessed with the Dodgers is one player who did. And his name is Cody Bellinger. Listen to Cody Bellinger talk about his journey. I grew up in Arizona. Hot, but year-round baseball. A lot of activity outside. The Little League fields? I thought they were big. <laughs> you look back now, and they're obviously the smallest field you can play on. My name's Clay Bellinger. I'm a firefighter. In 2007, we had a club ball team. We got together a bunch of kids, and I was one of the coaches on the Channel National All-Star team that got to go to Williamsport and play in the Little League World Series. Yeah, he was a baseball player, Cody Bellinger's dad. Played for the Yankees, won two World Series. Ten years he was in the minor leagues. What a struggle. And his son got to see it, but the son also got to be in the locker room with the Yankees when they won the World Series. But that's not enough. There are plenty of ball players who have kids. That's not enough just to have the talent, the DNA, and the, the connections. You need something different. You need that drive. Cody Bellinger got both. He got the talent and the drive. But where did his drive come from? It came from the fact that his dad put him on the team, the Little League team, and he was a year younger than everybody else. He was tiny, 11 years old. That gave him a drive. Hi, Clay Bellinger, coach, Chandler, Arizona. Hi, Cody Bellinger, play first place. My son Cody was one of the players on that team. Playing in front of 20 to 30,000 fans as an 11-year-old, 12-year-old is pretty spectacular. Welcome to the Chandler, Arizona team to the baseball tonight set. Cody Bellinger is here. Our offense is really good and our defense, you, we don't make much here. So. If you get just a condensed version of what could be you know, life in, in the big leagues with all the cameras and the media. Wouldn't you love to have a dad who says, listen, I may be a big shot former ball player, but just go have some fun. And he's your coach and your dad? That's special. I definitely remember the World Series parades in New York City. It's like what you envision. There's so many people in downtown, and they're throwing like confetti. Some 10 years in the minors to three years in the World Series is pretty unique, you could say. Looking back on it, the people in that clubhouse that I got to be around was pretty uh, unbelievable. I mean, anytime you see your dad playing, you, know, you want to do it, and then when you realize you're actually you know, pretty good at it, you know, I think you just you fall in love with it. Little League, it's about having fun, you know, love of the game. That's all I would say, have fun and keep playing. And Cody Bellinger had fun, probably the most fun he's ever had in baseball, even though he won a World Series and was the National League Rookie of the Year. He'll tell you, 
the most fun he had was playing Little League. It was, it was probably the most fun I had playing baseball. He said, we played really well. You know, we lost. We would have loved to win two more games or three more games, but to be top four in the U.S., still a good time. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how you did. You got there, and that was the main goal. But, yeah, I think for me it was a little less pressure knowing that he was there. And You see other players who've, who've gone through that experience who made it big. My dad played in the big leagues. I've gone as far as I can in the Little League World Series. It can drive you. It can drive you, but it's not enough. You need the drive. You need the chip on your shoulder. Tom Brady sat on the bench at the University of Michigan behind Brian Greasy. Only played a few games his senior year. And that's why he was the last pick in the NFL draft. They picked six quarterbacks before Tom Brady. Can you imagine? How could they all the experts miss? Steph Curry didn't get a college scholarship until Davidson, the one and only school, called. That's it. Best shooter we've ever seen in basketball. Mike Piazza, as a favorite of Tommy Lasorda, was taken by the Dodgers, became their best catcher ever. They all had one thing in common, and so did Cody Bellinger. A chip on their shoulder to prove themselves. And this is where the fascinating part of orthopedics is for me as teenagers. Because they're growing. It's a growth spurt. Cody Bellinger was tiny. His dad put him on the team. He was little. He had to prove himself. And you'll hear him say, I was little. I was tiny. And all those superstars on the team with me, they lost their drive. They were already great in Little League. And then it passed. He still had something to prove. He didn't have his growth spurt till his junior year in high school. I think that was the moment for me where I was like, I really want to do this. I could probably try to do this and kind of turn the switch a little bit, focus on it a little more. I was tiny when I was younger. I didn't hit my growth spurt till junior year of high school. Some guys on my team were superstars and they stopped working and everyone kind of passed them. For me, just kind of focus on the little things and then obviously once you get a little bigger, stronger, it kind of takes over. It takes over. But it got drafted in 2013. It just kind of took off from there. Cody Bellinger is a rookie outfielder and first baseman for the LA Dodgers. He came up to the big leagues in April and started tearing it up. Cody Bellinger, you are ridiculous. The kid goes deep again. He's captured the imagination and the attention of the whole baseball world. And now Clay Bellinger says, people don't say, Cody's my son. I'm his father because he surpassed his father in terms of baseball. Is this the guy who's going to hit 60 home runs and lead the Dodgers to the world championship? You know, we haven't seen a full season from him yet, so really anything's possible. You see your son doing what they love to do and actually playing well, and hopefully it'll last another 10, 15 years. Cody used to be Clay Bellinger's son, and now I'm, I'm Cody Bellinger's dad. That's right, and here's something special. This is why we love the manager, Dave Roberts. Listen to him, very first game. Cody Bellinger is going to play in left field. The welcoming of who Dave Roberts really is. He's special. Welcoming Cody Bellinger to the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger yeah, is in the house. Nice to see you, man. Hey, good to have you, man. Good to be here. Well done. Good to be here. How did you sleep last night? Did you sleep at all? About an hour and a half. I know. <laughs> Once we wake, woke you up, I go, man, he's not going to go back to bed. Yeah, I think I slept maybe 30 minutes on the plane. Yeah. That's it. You ready to play left field tonight? Yes, sir. All right. Good. Uh, you'll be in left field, so uh, make sure you get with George. Make sure you get with Woody on the signs. Okay. And uh, we're happy to have you, man. Good to be here, man. Thank you. You've, you've earned it, man. Yes, sir. Yeah, this last soundbite, you'll hear Earl Oral Hershiser complimenting Cody's dad by saying he's paying attention. He's willing to learn. That's the key. And then you'll hear the most important person to a pediatrician. It ain't the patient. It's the mom. And we'll hear Dr. Bruckner tell us about that. But you'll hear Cody Bellinger's mom, the proud mom, talking about her son and how hard he worked. Bellinger's family made the trip from Arizona to share his moment. I think he'll be all right, hopefully. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. That. 
got a good head on his shoulder. He's willing to learn, yeah. willing to know. He's going to be making adjustments, but but he's also confident in who he is. Yeah, that's so good. That's that's for sure. It took my husband 10 years to get an opportunity at the big league level with the New York Yankees, and to see that. Cody's done this in the short amount of time is a testament to his hard work, his work ethic, obviously the gift that he's been given, and the Dodgers organization having trust and faith in him as a player. That's right, Jennifer Bellinger. You sound a lot like Tiffany Silva, our hero here at the station. The parent, the patient, the teenager, the teenage boy, the teenage girl, the challenges, whether you're screaming for the Beatles or you're screaming for the fences as a baseball player. For me as an orthopedic surgeon, ah, it's the growing child. You better fear and respect those growth plates. But we're going to learn more coming up next with my favorite pediatrician, Dr. Danny Bruckner. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. And don't miss Mason in Ireland back Monday at 1 on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Soon to be a major motion picture. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Without a good hip, you ain't hopping, that's for sure. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited to be joined by my next guest, the great Dr. Danny Bruckner. Danny, thank you so much for getting up early to be with us. Dr. Clapper, thank you for having me. I got two sound bites I want to play for you, and my professor, Dr. Ranawat, used to say, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. Well, this is radio. We ain't seeing anything. But our ears want to hear what we don't know. So you, as this pediatrician, world class, when you hear a crazy teenager talk, what is it that you're hearing and what is going through their body, their hormonal changes? What is it that you're hearing? Listen to these teenage girls telling us they have no idea why they're behaving this way. I want you to listen to this soundbite. Have you tried to sneak into the hotel? Yes. Yes, we were in the hotel. How far in did you get? Twelfth floor. Well, did the matter go in that light? We came here. We came here at six o'clock in the morning, five thirty to see them, and all they do is push your father and father away, and then they don't even let you see them. We've been here since six. Yes. Have you ever been this crazy about any other entertainer? No. And that's what's so amazing. We don't know why we're like this. We don't know why we're like this. Danny Bruckner, tell us about what's happening. What are the most common injuries you see? And I'm just so happy to be talking to you right now. Just, just, I'm so proud of you. Good for you, Danny. Thanks. Thanks, Robbie. Um, so I've been listening to the show all morning, and it's been it was a, one of the, the things that I heard that, that, that really stood out to me was we were talking about Clay Bellinger and how he was 11 and the shortest guy on the team. Mm-hmm. and. And the, the 12-year-olds were, were much bigger and stronger and better than him at that time, but, but they gave up and he didn't. And uh, I heard an interesting stat the other day that um, by the time uh, kids are 15 years old, 75% of them have quit their favorite sport. Wow. And it really, it really moved me. It really, it really it made me think about it. And um, the hardest part, in my opinion, is with, with working with the teenagers, not only as a doctor but also as a parent, is – finding the right way to try to motivate them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, this day and age, you know, the, 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 you can, you can push them too hard. You cannot push them enough. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. And cause if, if you don't do it right, they, they give up and mm-hmm. we'll be, we'll, I'll be in the, in the, in the room with the parents and you'll see a kid who either is just, you know, not trying in school or wanting to give up his sport and, and we'll be trying to talk to them and, kind of like the toddlers where they, they don't talk back. It's, it's really hard to get out of them what's going on in, in their mm-hmm. brain. And uh, it's really the art of medicine to, to try to pinpoint it. Um, and I, I feel for these parents because some of them, you know, they, they really, they're, they're doing everything that they think is right to try to, to try to push them. And it just, just doesn't work out. So Danny, uh, is it, is a secret which happens over time? Take us through what it's like 
you've got your stethoscope, your white coat, you're in your office seeing patients, and let's just stick with a teenager right now. But I can't wait to talk to you about the other age groups you take care of, which is really what's so impressive about being a pediatrician, because it's a different, an entire different textbook of medicine if it's an infant versus a toddler versus an adolescent. It's a whole different kind of world that you're dealing with. So we can compartmentalize it. And I can tell already I'm going to talk to you for two segments today. So buckle your seatbelt because you're just too fascinating to me. When you walk into the room, and let's say it's a teenage girl, what what technique do you do as you walk in the room? Do you make eye contact with the parent? Do you try not to even look at the parent and only look at the teenager? Is every case different? Tell us what it's like when you literally walk in the room, brand new patient, what's going on? Who do you talk to even? Right. So definitely the, the biggest the biggest thing is making everyone in the room feel feel comfortable and, and making them know that, that, that you're they're the only thing on your mind for the next, you know, thirty minutes when you're when you're going through that, that physical exam and and um and um and history and physical. Um so you know, you read the room, you know, sometimes you go in and the the, the kid's head is down and doesn't wanna mm. doesn't wanna talk to you. Sometimes you read the room and they come in and they, they say hi to you before you even have time to say hi to them. Mm. Um but definitely, you know, you, you respect the teenager's privacy. I, uh, every teenage visit, you know, at some point you ask the parent to step out to see if there's anything that they want to talk to you without them. Hmm. But, but the, the, the easiest rooms are the, are the second room where they're, they're excited to see it. The harder rooms are when you come in and you, you can just tell there's something, something in there that the teenager wants to get out. Hmm. And, and that, that's the, the, definitely the hardest part. But when you, when you do after, you know, that 30 minutes, you really relate to the teenager. They can tell that they can trust you. They can tell that they can talk to you and you get something out of them that they've been meaning to tell someone and, and they just can't, they, they just can't quite do it. Hmm. That's, that, that's one of the best feelings in, in medicine. And, um, and you can really change kids' lives in just that little half hour visit. And it's, it's I, I love it. I remember reading an article that, pretty much said teachers don't raise the kids parents don't actually raise your kids their peers actually are what raises the kids what's it like to see a kid whether it's piercing tattoos attitude god knows what it is where you sense that they are doing what they're doing because their peers do that but that's not really something they want to do yeah, and, and uh, it, it, it's happening more and more, um, especially with with social media. Um, hmm. I, I I'm I'm really happy that I didn't grow up as a teenager with social media. Um, social media can influence these kids so much, and it's it's not for the better. It's definitely for the worse. Um, you know, nobody's life is as good as it looks on social media. Um, mm. And I think the pressure mounts on these kids. Uh, the, you know, the the pressure to 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 do even better in sports, do even better in school, and and they see all these other people on social media media who make it look so easy, and the reality is it's not easy. And and then when the pressure hits, uh, peer speaking of pressure, peer pressure comes, and uh, that's when they do stuff that 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 they, they wouldn't normally do. And mm-hmm. so when you know as a pediatrician, you know you get to get you see these kids from birth through college. And so there are definitely times when the kid will come in the visit and just like that is not the same kid I met last year. Mm. And that's the kid that you want to spend a little bit more time with. And when you when you delve into it, you, you find some interesting stuff. It must be such a challenge dealing with the crazy parent, right? I mean, <laughs> I bet you you just immediately when you walk in the room, you probably say to some of them, okay, you're going to need to leave right now. And maybe some of them even give you pushback, right? No, I don't want to leave. You got to be a policeman and say, actually, you're going to have to leave. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, the, 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 again, it's the art of medicine. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they're, they're in there because they care about their kids. So even though they might come off as, as, as what you said, crazy, I mean, really they're, they're they're feeling the pressure too. I mean, they mm. they they want to do what's best for their child, and and they're they're all they're they're there for to have to ask for my help on how to do it. But mm. um, definitely, if I mean, if, if if they won't leave the room, that that 
that's a pretty big red flag. There's something else going on. It's even more reason why I'd want them to leave the room. So I'd give the kid time to talk without them there confidentially. Um, so yeah, the, the, sometimes the, in pediatrics, the parents can be way more of a challenge than, than the children, but you know, right. that, that's, that's the art of medicine. That's the art of medicine. Okay. I'm going to play the soundbite of Cody Bellinger because this to me speaks to where the chip on your shoulder comes from, where the challenge comes from, where you can inspire a kid and look for these clues. Listen to Cody Bellinger. I think that was the moment for me where I was like, I really want to do this. I could probably try to do this and kind of turn the switch a little bit, focus on it a little more. I was tiny when I was younger. I didn't hit my growth spurt till junior year of high school. Some guys on my team were superstars, and they stopped working, and everyone kind of passed them. For me, just kind of focus on the little things, and then obviously once you get a little bigger, stronger, it kind of takes over. When God gives you lemons, you make lemonade. When you're too small, you get a drive to be better. Then when you get the growth spurt, oh my God, you got the drive and you're six foot four. How do you find that drive? That's the art of medicine. Take us through what it's like to deal with that incredibly difficult stage of being a teenager, the growth plate, puberty, all the stuff that must be taking place. I don't have to deal with it dealing with an adult, but boy, the challenge of being a pediatrician, Danny Bruckner, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a, the, the human body is fascinating. I mean, yes, the, the hormonal changes that happen dur- during puberty, you know, it, it, it it that you can you can see the way it affects kids and especially you know the poor kids that that are you know ninth grade and they still haven't they still haven't hit their growth spurt yet and they're they're a really good athlete but all their other friends are a foot taller than them and and to just to, I, I i try my hardest to say look you're gonna end up growing more and more um you're gonna be the ones that go through puberty later are the better ones and i you just try to not let them give up and um um, you talk about athletes. I'm going to mention Cody Bellinger from now on. I usually talk about Anthony Davis. I think that the, he grew like a foot his senior year mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, some of them just, it goes in one ear out the other and, and, and the, and, and, and the other ones, you can really make a difference. And it's really hard to differentiate how hard to push because the other thing I see is the other aspect. I see these parents that push too much, mm. and they have these amazing athletes, and, and they can end up burning them out, or, and not just their brains but their bodies, you know, these overuse injuries that you see in, in kids. Um, when I was 11, I was pitching too much, and I got little leaguer's elbow. Mm-hmm. And there's other things that, like Seaver's disease of your, of your heel and Osgood slaughters of your knee where – you know, here in Southern California, we, we, we can play 12 months out of the year. Um, and sometimes that's, that's a, a detriment because we, the body just burns out. So it's just even more of a, like, shows how hard it is for the parents these days, um, as well as the doctors, because um, you can under-motivate, you can over-motivate, and you really got to find that niche in the certain kid. Um, and, uh, and, and when it works out, it works out like the Bellinger family. Do you have a special trick? Because, listen, you were a little leaguer yourself. If, a, if it's a teenage boy that's coming in, I can't think of anybody better to have take care of him than Danny Bruckner because you <laughs> can talk the talk as you walk the walk. What do you do differently if it's a teenage girl? Other than the fact that you've got two sisters – what is it that you – is there something different you do when it's a teenage girl that you have to take through? Yeah, try – I mean, it's, it's – it's, try not to be as, as different. I, I don't have a – I wouldn't say I have a different strategy. I mean, the main thing is is earning their trust, knowing that you're, you're really in that room to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's an, it's an awkward time in anyone's life, and when you come in and, you, 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 you know, you're going to talk about some sensitive subjects um, – and and um, you know, so a lot of times the girls don't want to talk to about it with 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 a man, and and so we'll we have women doctors in our practice too that'll sometimes do that. But mm-hmm. but um, it really is just just gaining their trust, knowing that you're there to help. You really you really want to spend that thirty minutes trying to find some way to make their lives better. Mm-hmm. And um, you know when you when when you when you when you sit down, you give them the time. They 
they, they talk and, and, and things come out that they didn't think they probably were going to want to, we're going to talk with other people. And, and um, a lot of times the girls want to talk more than the boys. They have more to talk about. The boys just want to go back on the baseball field. Um, so they, they, sometimes they make it even easier. So Danny, I want to take advantage of you being here. So I want to get into some common pediatric injuries so you can teach the weekend warriors. Can you stay on the line? I have to pay some bills. Can you stay on? We can do another segment. I got nowhere to go. Okay. Well, yes, you do. You're going right to heaven. That's where you're going, Danny Bruckner. We love it. All right. Warriors, hang in there. We're talking to the great Dr. Danny Bruckner. We'll be back right after these messages. Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Roberto Claperio, a fish tacologist. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I know the ins and outs of a fish taco. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited to talk to my favorite pediatrician in Los Angeles, the great Dr. Danny Bruckner. Danny, before I let you go... I really want everyone to hear the wisdom that you have and how you treat kids. So take us through what are the common pediatric injuries that you see as a pediatrician? Yeah. So the, 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 the interesting thing about, about the growing pediatric body is, is the growth plates, right? That, that adults don't have to worry about. So where adults will just get you know, strains and sprains, um, mostly like soft tissue, ligament stuff. A lot of, most of the injuries, um, that, that I see kids have that have pain associated with are, are associated with, they're, they're called overuse injuries, usually associated with the, the, the epiphysis, which is the secondary growth plate, the, the other end of the bone that after the growth plate, where the ligaments, um, um, and tendons attach to. And the most common places that we see that are in the elbow, um, which would be little leaguer's elbow, down in the heel where it's got Seaver's disease, and then, and then in the tibial tuberosity of the kneecap, it's got Osgood slaughters. Hmm. And they, it, the, it's tough because kids complain, little kids complain of pain all the time. Um, there's growing pains, there's things like that. So differentiating that from something where they truly you know, need, need treatment is, is a bit difficult. Also, a lot of times your patients, you know, don't really, they can't, they're not really talking that much. So, mm-hmm. um, so, but, but those are the injuries we see the most. As an orthopedic surgeon, there are two words of wisdom that I can impart on the weekend warriors that has to happen. Number one, if a child still growing has an injury orthopedically, elbow, knee, ankle, whatever part of their body, you need, you must insist that they take an x-ray of the other side, the normal side, the one that isn't being complained of. Because very often, a child and the parent will be told, oh, we see a crack, we see a this, we see a that. But in fact, it's an it's not an abnormality. And if you are able to compare to the normal side right there for that individual kid, it's worth its weight in gold. It's yeah, it's more x-rays. No, it's actually necessary to x-ray the good side, the other side. And the other word of wisdom I would leave to the audience is never in a growing child are you allowed to say as a diagnosis that you've sprained the ligament because the ligament in an adult, you're fully grown, is the weak weaker structure you can sprain your knee sprain your shoulder sprain your wrist your ankle but in a growing child the weaker structure is not the ligament it's the growth plate so if you leave the er or urgent care where you've got swelling and pain and they tell your growing child hey the x-rays are negative you have a sprain you better not let that happen because you better evaluate and treat it as though it's a growth plate injury, because if you don't take care of that growth plate, you will have problem long term. So that's Dr. Clapper's two cents in terms of the world of pediatrics. But when is pain, Danny Bruckner, significant enough for you to see the doctor? Teach us about that. Right. Yeah. So, so pain that comes and goes 
throughout a like a like a one day is generally not going to be an overuse injury. That's generally more of a growing pain that a child exists. But pain that the that I always tell people if it's if it's pain that they're complaining about on this a specific place, like it's always the right knee or it's always the left heel, and it's going on for even if, as, as few as it could even just be three four days, but it's been going on repeatedly. And it's the same place. That's when we want to differentiate and go go see uh, you know, a sports medicine specialist or, or an orthopedist because um, that we're, we, we really want to get to the bottom of it's one of these overuse injuries. And the sports medicine doctors always say pain is the limiting factor. If, it's, if there's pain, we, we want to give them some rest, probably get them into physical therapy, things like that. So that would be the differentiating factor. factor. Before I let you go, the great Dr. Danny Bruckner, my favorite pediatrician in Los Angeles, Teach us about the dangers of weightlifting and supplements in kids. This is this comes up all the time, especially in the the kids that are really motivated and really want to take the next step on the sports field and things like that. So, first off, after doing a lot of research on this, the, the misnomer that weightlifting you know stunts your growth um, is actually more of an old wives' tale these days. Um, so, weightlifting in children is not necessarily a hundred percent a no no as long as it's done correctly. Uh, it, ha- it really should be monitored um, by a coach, a, a trainer, an expert that, that is making sure that the child is doing it um, with, with proper form so that they don't injure other parts of their body. Um, um, and then in terms of the supplements, we get asked all the time about, you know, creatine and things like that. And, and the, the, real, the real problem about things like that is, the regulations on what else is put in there is is really really scary. The side effects of them are 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 are, are not fun to think about. So so even though the like creatine itself may not be the worst thing for a child, although it hasn't truly been studied, so we don't really know the 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 the, the other things that could be in there as well. I really want, would 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 hope that 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 the guests stay, stay away from that. Got it. Um, it's just just not necessary. Just eat healthy and drink a lot of water, and and everything will be fine. Well, Dr. Danny Bruckner, I've known you forever. It's a pleasure to know your family, you, and I'm so proud of all that you do and what will continue to do. It's really been an honor to have you on the show today, and you will see how many Twitter followers and how many, speaking of social media, everybody's finally hearing the great Dr. Danny Bruckner, and it really makes me so happy to have you. So thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Thanks, Dr. Clapper. The pleasure was all mine. All right, buddy. Have a great day today. All right, Warriors. I'll take your calls. The lines are lit up. The clinic's open. The number's 877-710-ESPN. I'm going to tell you where a teenager, instead of looking at their iPhone, can actually eat what looks like an iPhone at a bakery. It's a kind of donut. I'll tell you where that is. Coming up next, right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. You're not going to leave me alone, are you? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Grand Poobah, the Big Kahuna. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's right, the Beatles, Beatlemania. Line to lit up. Let's take some calls. Let's do some Clapper vision. Let's go to JC. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Dr. Clapper? Are you there, JC? Yes, yes, I am. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. How young are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 58 years young. I am an independent contractor, and I deliver goods from Los Angeles to San Diego for various companies. Wow. And that's a Monday to Friday. Yes. Various now, goods. Well, we're not going to get into any details about the various goods, JC, okay? <laughs> you got, well, it's basically escrow paperwork, uh, prescription medications, uh, legal stuff. Okay, cool. <laughs> and tell me about you. What did your father do for a living? Where did you grow up? What high school? I went to uh, Theodore Roosevelt High School in Boyle Heights. Oh, wow. Um, I graduated out of Cal State LA. My father was a custodian, so was my mother. Um, they're both in heaven now. Uh, and I reside in uh, Cudahy, California, which is basically off the 710 freeway going towards Long Beach. Oh, wow. And you yeah, listen to the show, I you mean, know what uh, Clapper Vision is? 
Yes, sir. Yes, uh, sir. Yes, all right, sir. JC. It'll be my pleasure to help you. Tell me what's up. What's your sport? What do you love to do? I love I, I, hiking. I hike at least once a week. Got it. I go okay. to, you know, Big Bear, Mount Baldy, Mount Wilson, all that good stuff. Wow. Now, I had an MRI done. Yes. And and it's regarding my meniscus. Do you have it in front of you? you? Yes, I do, sir. All right. So do me um, a favor, JC. By the way, what's the JC for? Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos. That's a beautiful name, Juan Carlos. I like that name. Good job. I would not go the JC route, although the ultimate JC is a Jewish guy, uh, but that's a whole other story. Um, so I don't need all the stuff. I just want the impression. Read it slowly, JC, so that I can int- uh, interrupt you and give you some clap revision. Okay. Medium meniscus. Displaced flap tear in the body. Meniscal fragment in the superior meniscus. Femoral mm-hmm. recess, no parameniscal cyst. Okay. And the lateral meniscus is intact. Okay. So did they really say slap lesion? They say displaced flap tear. F- displaced flap tear. Okay. Because a slap lesion means I got to wonder who this radiologist is because you only see slap lesions in the shoulder. So flap is different. You're that. allowed to have a flap inside there. Okay, so my first question is, and that's it? That's all they're talking about is your meniscus? No other comments yes, about sir, your my, cartilage? My left knee. My left knee. Right, but there's no other comments. That's That impression is a, is this flap tear to the meniscus. The cartilage is otherwise good. Yes. Okay. Can you fully straighten and fully bend your knee? Yes. Okay. When did this injury occur? I believe in January because I went uh, cross-country skiing mm-hmm. and I fell a couple times. I hadn't skied or even done that sport ever. And ever since then, I was still hiking, but something was different in my left knee. Hmm. Uh, then in April, and, and my tendon inflamed after January. Hmm. Then I went to a different hike in April. It's called scrambling. Hmm. And that's when coming back down, I really felt sore on the left knee. Mm-hmm. Or after that Sunday... For about a week, I had a, I was limping. Mm-hmm. I was limping. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I saw on x-ray, I saw an MRI. I go, there's something there. I need to find out what it is. Okay. Um, because I, it made me really worried. I go, God, you know, I'm 58 years old. What's going on with my left knee? All right. I'm going to give you some advice now, JC, that probably nobody else is going to give you. Okay. So it's kind of good that okay. you're calling in and it's because other people will hear it. And it's also good to be able to help you. Number one, I'm thrilled that you don't have cancer, a fracture, or something terrible going on because that would show up on the MRI. Because So everybody who has pain and swelling, you know, it's a teeny tiny chance. But actually, I will tell you, twice I see 100 patients a week, and I've been doing this for 33 years. Twice a year, people come to see me. They think they have, you know, tendonitis, and I have to tell them they have cancer. So I'm already thrilled that you have an MRI, which allows me to now talk to you about purely orthopedic and sports injuries. So here's number one. Number one, I hate the whole idea of the current society, which is he's got pain. Give him a painkiller. So give him something to numb the pain, whether it's a shot in the joint, whether it's a pill to take. I'm not interested in making your symptom go away without addressing the reason for the symptom that you have. And thanks to your MRI, We now have a reason. You've tore your meniscus, and that's why it was painful, and that's why it's swollen. Here's what I love about your knee, JC, in a 58-year-old man. You're not 28. You're 58. You and I now know that that cushion, that shock absorber that lives in your knee is not terrific. It's, it's not a medical term. It's just got tears in it. It's not, a, it's not kosher. It's not doing its job, if you will. And it's irritating the inside of your knee. That's where the swelling comes from. It's almost, here's a clapper vision, like you got poked in the eye, okay? Your knee mm-hmm. gets, your, uh, your eye gets red. It gets swollen. It gets inflamed. Well, you have a poke in the eye basically in your knee, and that's where your symptoms are coming from. So I am not interested, like every other doctor you're going to meet, in getting rid of your pain 
by just getting rid of your pain. So do not let a doctor talk you into a painkiller, a cortisone shot, Synvisc injections, God knows, stem cells, PRP, whatever they want to inject in your knee for your symptoms, say no. Because actually, some of the stuff does absolutely nothing except take money out of your wallet. And the other stuff Mm -hmm. has side effects. Everything that we do to people has a side effect. And you always have to ask, hey, wait a minute, doctor, what's the side effect? And if the doctor says there is none, you better get another doctor because everything has a side effect. Some of them are good. Some of them and most of them are bad. And one of the problems is cortisone will actually make the pain go away, make it numb, but it then lingers. It stays in your knee joint and it actually is toxic to the articular cartilage. So in the long run, you're going to hurt yourself. Okay. Unless you told me your daughter's getting married and you want to walk her down the aisle, you're going to Italy for the first time to see the David. I have given people a cortisone shot, but I educate them. I'm doing this for an event, not for treatment. Okay. And I'm only doing it once because because of the risks that are involved. Yes, you can interrupt me. Yeah. I laid off the knee for 90 days. I went back to hiking, no swelling or anything. I guess my question is: Is going forward, would yeah. this heal by itself? Well, okay, so that's what. Just- so, so don't. So, I appreciate you interrupting me, but let me continue because I, I hopefully will answer your questions. And if I don't, then you have to stop me. Okay. Okay. So, JC, I love that you like to be outdoors and you hike. God bless you. You work hard. You deserve that cherry on top of life, which is to see and be in the outdoors. As we say in Yiddish, go climb all those mountains because they're there. I love that. I'm a surfer. Don't tell me whether it makes sense or not. This is what I love to do. I'm giving you permission as an orthopedic surgeon for many, 33 years here at Cedars-Sinai to have a vice, okay? Because I hate treadmill. I hate treadmill of what it does to the discs in your back, the cartilage in your hips and in your knees. I hate the pounding. I love what it does for your heart, gets your heart going, but as an orthopedic surgeon, destroys the joints. So I would prefer you to do the pool, the bike, the elliptical, but I'm giving you permission to hike as much as you want. As an abuse, you're allowed to have that abuse of pounding on your knee. But here's what I ask of you, JC. And again, I ain't the boss here. Are you married? Your wife is the boss. If you're not married, then you don't have a boss. Your knee is the boss. And that's who you have to talk to. So you have to, in order to have a life where I'm allowing you an abuse, which is the hiking or tennis or skiing or racquetball, whatever it is that you want to do, that's your abuse. You're allowed to have that. It's fun. You must, JC, do equal time nurturing exercise. So when is your birthday? 30th of October. So you're going to buy yourself an early birthday present. You do not need a Peloton for thousands of dollars. I'm talking a Schwinn spinning bike. And I have no association with this. I just love their product and that's it. But it won't tip over when you stand up because at 58, your tush is going to hurt when you sit on those skinny little seats that I don't know how they make those seats. You can stand up when you do a spinning bike so your, your tush doesn't hurt. And I love it, and it won't tip over. A Schwinn, S-C-H-W-I-N-N, spinning bike. Mm-hmm. Cost you a few hundred yep. dollars. You deserve a birthday present. You work hard schlepping from San Diego to L.A. You need to buy yourself a birthday present. And I want you to turn the Dodgers or the Lakers or the Rams on three days a week, not every day, and for a half an hour. And I practice what I peep. Uh, preach i'm 65 years old i do this in front of the tv half an hour not an hour half an hour three days a week you can do four days a week if you want but you don't have to do it every day you're gonna ride the bike because that will allow you to strengthen your quad your hamstring your calf muscle so that when you do go for a hike you will have stronger shock absorbers above and below your knee now let's talk about your meniscus Dr. Clapper, I went in my backyard and I clipped 15 roses. I wanted to make a bouquet for this party. 
I now have a blister in my hand, Dr. Clapper. That's so bad. I can't even pick up a pencil. What should I do? JC, go clip five mm-hmm. more roses. What are you, crazy? I just told you I got a blister. I can't pick up a pencil. Why would I do that? Because, JC, you've lived long enough to know that you keep rubbing a blister, it becomes a callus. Is a callus a healed mm-hmm. blister? No, but it don't hurt anymore. And calluses mm. are great. You currently have a blister in your meniscus. I would love mm-hmm. you to make it into a callus so it doesn't hurt. Who cares what it looks like? But if you let someone operate on you, and I would say yes to surgery if you had limited motion, but you don't. You can fully straighten. You can fully bend your knee. So no yeah. surgery, no shots, no pills. The blister will become a callus. There's a book I wrote with it, Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. Get a copy. That's another birthday present you should buy for yourself. But you should read that book. I love In a Perfect World, which we clearly don't live in, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, half an hour ride to stationary bike, and Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, walk forwards and backwards in a pool so that you can go on your hikes. And I promise you, you will feel great. And you probably would benefit by buying a sleeve just for the hiking. My favorite company, again, I'm not on the payroll, I don't want to be, is Bauerfine. Uh, they make the best knee sleeve. You don't need hinges, but I think that would help you. At a 58-year-old guy to, to do these hikes, you'll feel much better. If it, if it still acts up, you can use those poles if you want to do for the hike, which also unloads the knee joint a little bit. But I would actually talk you out of, and I'm a busy surgeon, JC, no surgery for your meniscus tear in your knee. And I'm not saying it to be a contrarian. In my heart... I truly believe what I'm telling you. All right, JC? Mm-hmm. Now, you're a total stranger. I never met you. You're going to do me a favor. You want to thank me for helping you? Today, JC, you go find a total stranger. Do something nice for them, just like the original JC who walked through Bethlehem and came from Nazareth. Okay? <laughs> thank you so much, doctor. Have a blessed All right. Day. God bless you, JC. I just say I love saying your name. I feel like they did talk to the one and only. So God bless you. Have a great day. Warriors, few minutes I have left. I need to tell you about next week. Next week, we're going to talk to people from the Ventura Sailing School, the power of wind. So I've been thinking all week already. The power of wind. Okay, I get it. In sailing. But what about in art? What about in sports? Ella Fitzgerald sang a song. It's on YouTube called Summertime. Okay, she's amazing. She's Ella Fitzgerald. But I'm going to show you something about what she did in terms of the power of wind that will shock you. Ella Fitzgerald moves the microphone she's singing into from her mouth up closer to her nose. You know why she does that? I'm going to explain the reason next week because it involves the power of the wind At certain points in the song, I'm going to explain to you why she moves her microphone that way. And what about the power of the wind in sports beyond sailing? The oldest sport that ever lived before there was hunting, golfing, God knows what, is taking a wild bird, a falcon, as a sport, as a pet. And you're going to hear a story about a man from Riverside that's going to blow your mind. That's what's in store for next week. And food. Today's topic was teenagers, crazy teenagers, teenage girls, teenage boys, Cody Bellinger, Beatlemania. Well, nowadays it's the iPhone, as Danny Bruckner told us. What looks like an iPhone that you can eat? Good time donuts. It's called a maple bar. Tell Sue I sent you. Eat that maple bar. It's like eating an iPhone, which I'd love to do one day because they're just too painful to see them use. You go out to dinner. Both parents, both kids, nobody's talking to each other. They're all looking at the phone. Well, now we get to get even. We can eat the phone. Until next week, I'll be leaving you with volare, which in Italian means I'm singing and I'm flying, which is what we do each and every Saturday. Can't thank you enough for all the kind words that I hear day in and day out. And thanks for telling your friends and thanks for being the orthopedic surgeon in your family now because of Clapper Vision. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio.